This is Mr. Suitcase. I'm sitting down at Gigi's live broadcasting booth, and I am going to be talking with uh, Magic Show producer, you know, host extraordinaire, Star City Games uh, community manager, Evan Irwin. Evan, say hello. Hello, uh, listeners to Mr. Suitcase. Yeah, so, Evan, let's, let's start at the beginning. Yes, sir. When, when did you first start playing Magic? Uh, well, funny story. Uh, there was a time in which I was going to high school, and I found a loophole. I found that as a sophomore, uh, because they were changing the way that, that classes were going to be scheduled, instead of us taking seven classes a day for a semester and then seven classes for the next semester, you're going to take four classes for semester and then four classes the next semester. And so um, with that change, uh, basically a lot of loophole where if I went to summer school for two classes, I could skip my entire junior year. And so I was like, this is crazy. Like, I just broke the format here, essentially. And I was like, I want to do this. And so that's what I did. And I went to summer school and essentially I was the only guy there who wanted to be there. You know what I mean? Like, I was the only guy there who was actually sort of invested in being at, you know, at summer school. So when you when that occurs, uh, what happens in summer school with all the deviants essentially is that they try to make you do something and then they won't because all these kids have no interest in getting anything done. So my best example was, and this actually happened, they said, we want you to read The Red Badge of Courage, the novel, and write a book report on it. And nobody did but me. And so when, like, no one has their book report but me, I'm just like, uh, yeah, so I don't have mine either. And so then they said, okay, well, let's read, like, read a couple chapters and write a book report. And nobody did it. And then it's like, okay, let's watch the movie and write a paragraph on it. And that's what ended up happening. So anyway, these, these deviants that I was rocking out were playing magic. And I was just like, what's this? And they're like, this is awesome card game. Let me show you how it works. And at the time, it was Ice Age, you know, 4th edition had just come out and uh, Fallen Empires and Homelands had come out a little while, you know, a couple months earlier. And uh, and I remember thinking that Blinking Spirit was the coolest thing ever. And like, like, oh my god, Blinking Spirit? Like, that thing never dies ever. Like, you can't do anything to it. Ah, you know? And I was like, I, you know, this card's amazing. Why doesn't everybody play this card? And eventually, you know, you learn why. But, uh, but that was the story in, in summer school. With the deviants, rocking it out. <laughs> do you uh, do you have any gaps in your magic career? I know most people do. Yes, and and I do as well. And uh, I played from right then, and it's just you know I got hooked immediately, and I was all about it, and uh, went to tournaments all over my area, and I did really well. Like you know, from back in the day, I mean, I won a lot of boxes of product, and that's when you could play Prosper Bloom with Force of Will. <laughs> Yeah. You know, and that deck was just stupid. Um, but uh, but either way, um, there came a point in which I needed to get a real job, uh, with quote marks, and I had to. Um, uh, I got a job at a local community bank, which was which was cool. Uh, but it turns out that I had to work uh, too late on Wednesdays to make the Wednesday night tournaments, and I had to come in every Saturday morning, so I couldn't make the Saturday tournaments. And those were the two tournaments I went to every week, and I was just like, I can't. I can't play if I can't go. So I sold all my stuff. Like I sold my mana drains and my library and all my good cards. And I was like, uh, you know, but I was like, well, you know, there's nothing I can do with this money or I can do with these cards. So I might as well get this money and move on. Uh, so I left around Exodus. I left at the point uh, in which Curse Scroll was crap. 
and um, and uh, uh, recurring nightmare was worthless. I believe was essentially the two the two trains of thought at that okay. point. Because uh, I remember having conversations with how bad Cursed Scroll was, and and I was just like, yeah, totally convinced this card was bad. You know, this was right before it just you know exploded and won everything. Um, but uh, so I stopped then, and then there was a period of time that happened for at least five or six years. And uh, I was, you know, at, at my job one day, and um, I actually I got I got roped into a another collectible card game. It was called uh, it was called Star Chamber, and Star Chamber was really cool. It was like Magic the Gathering with a board game element, okay. essentially. And so uh, every every turn you had you controlled these planets that would get resources, and so you could do that stuff. Okay. And in your hand you had cards that did things, you know, and destroyed ships and gave you stuff and. Thing, good things other, in other places and yada yada and it was very magic-esque you know you could tell and you know from that I had a lot of fun with that and I was actually the community manager for that game it turns out that's something I'm good at and I just kind of <laughs> I just kind of fill that role um, but I did that for a while and uh, I was like man I wonder what's going on with magic and I looked it up and I will never forget I was like I wonder what's going on with magic magicgathering.com oh a preview card from the new set Darksteel oh that's pretty cool Skull Clamp. This card seems amazing. Like, really? Plus one, minus one, and draw two, and, and and they gave it. You know, at the time, like as I read more, I realized they gave it to like the combo writer guy. You know, the Johnny player, yeah. as you would call him nowadays. And I was like, man, like maybe I've just been removed from Magic so long that this card is not ridiculously broken. But it turns out that card was ridiculously broken. And moving forward. Uh, you know, I, I got into the tournament scene and I got and I played Affinity or I played against Affinity a lot and I was one of those players and I honestly I still I, I'm becoming less so, but back then I was definitely one of those players that would not play the best deck. I don't care how good it was, you know, I would I was the guy who would play the four oxidized foretells jihad justice to try to get there and still get run over. I played White Weenie with Damping Matrix, still got run over. But it it you know, I mean moving on to Kamigawa uh, and, and Jite and things of that nature. Like I still, I still love magic, and I still love what magic does and, and how it works. And Magic Online was another big boon. That when I came back to the game, there was an online outlet that I didn't have to immediately jump into buying a bunch of cards. I could just buy some cards online and see if I still wanted to play this game. And you know, turns out I did. So. How, how did the Magic Show start? What what gave you the inspiration to go go try this out? Okay, um, essentially, uh, YouTube had come out six months beforehand, and before I started making videos. And I, I'm a guy who uh, who is blessed with the ability to uh, to see trends coming, and, and and I'm not always right, of course, uh, and but sometimes I am. And I was like, this online video thing is huge, like it's unreal, and YouTube has finally made it like easy and fun and accessible, better than all the other competitors. And I was like, you know, I got this desktop recording software that I was playing with uh, for my job, and I was like, you know, I could just, I, I could just record myself talking about, you know, matches like that I was playing at Magic Workstation at the time, 
I could record myself recording an entire Cold Snap uh, limited set review, which I did, which you can actually find in my YouTube archives, uh, which is unbelievably hilarious now. <laughs> but, uh, you know, but at the time, what happened was Star City Games was running um, a little series called Battle Royale, where they would take two riders and pit them against one another and then play you know, on Magic Online against each other and then write a report about it. And I was like, you know, what's better than writing a report about a match is actually seeing it happen. And so I recorded my Battle Royale match, you know, sort of warts and all. And I was like, you know, this this seems cool. And I was like, what if I could, what if I put up like funny pictures to get my point across and, you know, explain my points better than I could just by recanting them? Because uh, when I when I came back to Star City, um, I won the the writer the weekly writer contest that they were holding at the time. Um, for submitting articles like three weeks in a row and they hired me on as a regular writer which was obviously great but I, I tried to steer down the path of like I'm Mr. Spike tournament guy and I've like broken all these decks and yada yada and I, I've soon found out that I am not that guy and I'm <laughs> not that good and it's not how I'm going to get there but uh, it turns out that you know I'm pretty good at talking to a lot of people uh, you know a mass amount of people and getting people sort of you know not riled up and maybe sort of gathered together uh, in search of, you know, sort of, sort of a common goal or a common purpose. And, uh, you know, like, uh, I was like, I'm just going to write these articles and, and see what happens. And by all means, if you want to laugh your butt off, go watch the first one where I'm talking really slow and I'm making, like, really bad jokes that take, like, you know, a minute to finish and all these things. It's kind of silly. But it worked out. Now, everyone's first episode is really rough. <laughs> and in retrospect, always it's always seemed better. That. Now, now every every episode that you put up that isn't just like footage from an event um, has a lot of written content that goes with it. Also, and that written content matches up with what you're saying in in your YouTube piece. There, you know, can you tell us about the origin of the script and why you think it's so important? Sure. Uh, and I'll be honest, I wasn't, I, I didn't want to do the script either. Because why? Because it's a lot of work, man. Like it's a ton of work. You have to record it, and then you have to. You know, then you have to edit it, and then, well, you have to write it, then you have to record it, then you have to edit the recording, and then you have to make the show to match the recording. At the time, what I pitched was, I was like, hey, you know, I'll just sort of rant about this thing and try to put, you know, words and pictures and whatever to it. But when you, when, when we were back then still in the realm of, you know, we needed text for people to read, my editor, Craig Stevenson, he was like, well, I, I really need an article to go along with it. And I was just like, man, like, I'm going to have to write an article and then read the article and then make it, you know, about that. So, you know, I, I, I tried not to, but obviously it worked out. And and one of the things that I feel is important for a lot of people to know that for me personally, like, I don't think I made it. I don't think I made it, like, until Valencia, until the Valencia show, which is like show 66 or something. So that meant I had been doing it for well over a year before I felt like I had actually accomplished what I had set out to do, which was make something cool and new and different. Now, obviously, I gained fans in that time frame between then and I got a lot of encouragement and that's great because I'm a guy who needs encouragement to keep yeah. going but you know because you know I, I mean I remember when Randy Bueller was like you're doing good work like you need to keep this up and I'm like oh sweet you know like lots of people are actually watching this this is brilliant right but I felt like I didn't really get where I wanted to go 
until I went to Valencia and made the Pro Tour show. And essentially, a lot of the building blocks of the shows that you see these days that I do and that other podcasters do were in that show. Like, the idea of having a rapid-fire, you know, cut to pro, answering the same question over and over. Uh, the idea of, you know, the, the featuring the pros actually playing and having their names and their titles underneath them. Uh, things of that nature. An interview with the winner. Um, the, the making of the winner shot, you know, how, like, uh, uh, Remy Fortier is out there, like, rolling up his pant legs and getting out in the water so, you know, Craig can take his, his winner shot and stuff like that. And nowadays, like, that's one of the big things I put in every show is I, you know, follow Craig Gibson around and get the, the making of the winner shot. And it's just, for me, like, I love that. You can go back and look and see little building blocks along the way of how those magic shows built up to what you see today week in, week out. Yeah, and, and as someone who, like, w- when I... When I want to listen to magic content, a lot of time I'm at work. I listen to a pod, I listen to audio podcasts a lot because I'm a video player and whatnot. And uh, the script makes it at least so I can follow what's going on, even if I don't get a chance to watch your show. But if if you're not watching Evan Irwin's magic show, you probably should be because uh, you know it. They're really. I mean, obviously now you have a lot of practice with you. They're really well produced. What's what's the uh, piece of advice you would give to people who want to put together either a, a podcast? or a YouTube show or, or something like that. Do it. Don't don't wait. You don't ask. I mean, and it's funny. Like, I've actually gotten emails from people who are just like, can I do this? Is this okay? And I'm like, you don't have to ask me for permission. Like, go out there and be creative. The reason that, like, my the reason that the shows are so good or, you know, that the, the quality is so high is because I did them every week. Every week. Even sometimes when I didn't want to do them. Even sometimes when it was a lot of work. You know, like, I've had to tell, like, you know, my, my children, I'm like, you know, look, I, I can't play with you right now because I have to finish the show. And, you know, there are sacrifices involved, but there are obviously rewards, like, beyond my wildest imagination of how I ended up here, you know, which is unbelievable. And I will happily tell anybody, uh, you know, how I do what I do because competition just breeds, just makes you better. And I am, you know, certainly not afraid. And, I, and you see people go into this sort of space, as you want to call it. Um, and they make a video podcast, and they're like, wow, this was hard. Wow, I don't want to do this again. And, man, like, how am I How am I going to stack up against these other podcasters who's been doing it for so long? And the way that you do that is that you just keep doing it. And the more that you do it, the, the better you get. And, you know, I, I want to encourage. I mean, I know that at some point the magic show will end. Now, I'm not planning on ending it. I don't want to end it. I'm just saying that, you know, it's not going to go on forever. And, you know, the idea that I can either pass the torch or I can inspire a group of podcasters, like, that's that's great to me. That's really flattering to me. Uh, like, Newbie and the Dude, that was that series for a while. Like, you know, they, they gave me so many props that I inspired them with my goofy antics on the show to make their own sort of web show. And even, you know, and that lasted for a, for a period of time, you know, because it was, it was difficult to produce. It's, it's hard to get people, you know, excited week in and week out. And, you know, and for me, like, I don't knock it out of the park every week. I mean, as you can tell, for those who are loyal watchers, and thankfully I now have oodles of them, uh, you know, you can tell that some weeks are better than others, and that's just the ebb and flow uh, of podcasting, like, as you know, you know, video podcasts or podcasts in general, they can't always be the best show ever, you know? But you, you try to bring a level of entertainment week after week, and, and I try to, to, to go by the maxim of, 
I'm proud of last week's show, but I'm embarrassed of last year's show. And you know, as long as I can try to keep continuing and improving, you know, better editing, better sound, better interviews, better sound bites, you know, for me it's all about just gaining those edges and sharpening that knife that you have, you know, gotten to such a fine point, but that you can still continue onwards for bigger and better things. So you're you're going along, and now I mean you, you've you've now scored a job over at Star City James, you know, as a, as a community monitor. What what does that job entail for you? Sure. Um, and a lot of people expected, uh, and I've heard this, is that like as soon as Star City hired me, it'd be like video, 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 video every day, and video and whatnot. And <laughs> for what it's worth, um, I, there, that is something I am looking into. Um, but uh, a lot of my job at Star City has morphed a little bit because I have such a, I have such experience in web development. So uh, it's something I feel that I can give to Star City and, and not just Star City, but the readers. For the, so for the example, <coughs> it's nice that I'm now making changes on the homepage so that you guys can see them because I have done so much work on the back end, sort of what the employees look at and things of that nature, that it's nice to be able to say, like, hey, you know, the Star City Select and the Star City Premium column thing, you know, there you go. Like the, the idea of the blurbs at the top that shrink themselves automatically, you know, there you go. Like these are things that I've wanted for Star City for a long time. And now uh, I have the ability to do so, that I'm you know, in the office every day and can, can change and work with people and, and work with some incredible web developers like Ferret uh, and, and Rick Lamance, uh, who are our two web devs, and, um, you know, and, and do great things for, for Star City moving forward. So my job is just this sort of mishmash of I make the show every week, uh, I manage web development, uh, I help in whatever projects I can. So like, you know, the, like the magazine, for example, you know, like we sit around, <coughs> me and Ryan, O'Connor, who is unbelievably crucial to why Star City looks amazing, by the way. All the pretty graphics, Ryan O'Connor. That guy is fantastic. Like, and he was, his, his work has also been seen in Ascension, the, the card game Ascension. Yeah. He did the, the board for that, the, the game board oh, cool. for that. He did the, the card layouts for that, the way that looks. Like, that guy is brilliant. So, thankfully, me and Ryan together have forged this incredible partnership, like, incredible friendship. Like, he's just a really awesome guy. And, uh, you know, and together, you know, we're essentially revamping StarCityGames.com one piece at a time, and we can't we can't do it all. But I would at once. But I would rather have bits and pieces be great than everything be switched over at once. So, for example, now we have premium and select, and now we have the cool blurbs at the top. And soon you're going to start seeing changes with how the columns look on the sides and how the articles look when you read them and things of that nature. Because Star City is a is a pretty big boat, and it takes a while to turn a ship that big. Oh, without a doubt. Now, did you play any role in getting like the card name hyperlinks to uh, into like the card pop-ups now? That is correct. So, so those those little sort of improvements that are taken for granted, uh, you know, pretty quickly. You know, it's it's just one of those things that, uh, again, I feel like you know my expertise uh, in talking to the community and my expertise in and uh, and looking at web development and what you can do moving forward with a site as big and as robust as Star City. You know, like that's like. I think that's great, and I, I can't wait to do more improvements. And I got, I got plenty more coming. I can't talk about them, but I assure you, you guys are going to go nuts when you see what we've what we've got in store uh, moving forward. Yeah, I have to say, one of my personal favorite things is definitely the uh, card pop-ups because you know, whenever you read an article, 
and you're looking at a card, it's like, oh, I don't really want to click a link. I don't want to go try to figure it out. It's like, boom, it pops up. Awesome. That's what I need to know. Exactly. So what what kind of technology are you using to put together the Magic Show? Like, are you, When you started, were you using a lot of freeware programs, or, were, or have you always had kind of commercially available things? Um, I've had the, um, the, the benefit of commercially available things. However, I will, I will end that with a caveat. Um, the, the caveat was that I started... Um, I started it using Windows programs, and I had a Windows computer, and I was using a software called Camtasia, which I think a lot of users or a lot of uh, players actually still use today to record their drafts on Magic Online. But um, when I went from a uh, Windows machine to a Mac, I used iMovie for I think over a year, and iMovie is completely free. So you know it, you don't need hundreds and thousands of dollars worth of stuff to make a good web show because obviously I made it that was good enough to, to keep my popularity and then some for a long, long time. And you would just make slides and put them together and, and, and make it work. Uh, and you can do that for, for live footage as well. And I don't know the, the compliments on Windows right now, but I know there are some freeware programs you can use. Um, but for right now, like essentially I've sort of upgraded to, to Final Cut Studio, where I use uh, Final Cut Pro for live footage and I use Motion, which is also included in sort of the Final Cut package. Uh, Motion is what allows me to put the stuff on the screen. So whenever you see anything fade out or move around or the, the cool titles on the bottom of the of the players and all that stuff, that's all that's all motion content. Um, I use uh, I use just like a regular um, you know headset microphone, you know, that's like the headset that's got the little mic that, that switches down, you know, that, that flaps down so you can talk. Yeah, basically your gamer mics. Yeah, your gamer mics, literally. I mean like I went to Best Buy and like spent thirty bucks on the gamer mic or whatever. You you don't have to have a two hundred dollar microphone to make a good show. And for what it's worth, for a long time, and I'm talking a long time, years, I literally like would either use this piece of crap NEC microphone that I had when I was 15 that was just garbage, or I would lean over my laptop and just talk into the laptop mic. I mean, again, you don't need like unbelievable equipment to do well. And um, I also use uh, I use Audio Hijack Pro on the Mac, and I use Fission Fission to um, to edit the the audio files themselves, and uh, and then I put those audio files in motion, and then in the motion I, I put all the stuff that I'm talking about. So, uh, so if, for example, when you see the show, and you'll see sometimes I correct myself in the show, like I'll I'll have written it wrong, but by the time I've recorded it and edited it and got it in motion and made a bunch of content in motion, I can't change it. You know what I mean? Like the horse is out of the barn or whatever you want to use that euphemism. Like it's too far gone. So if you watch the show, sometimes I will catch myself like making the making the, the show in motion and be like, oh man, I totally recorded that wrong. That should have been four instead of five or whatever. And I'll put on the screen, yes, this should have been four instead of five. I apologize or whatever. But again, for me, it's about I used my uh, my four millimeter camera that I had um, when I first got started. I used um, commercial software just because my job had it, but there was free software available, particularly if you're using the Mac. Mac has unbelievable tools. iMovie is so sweet. Uh, you can download um, free audio editors to edit your audio, and as, as I'm sure you know, making podcasts, you know, you don't have to pay for a decent audio editor. Yeah, I, I use Audacity, and I think it's probably the podcast industry standard just because, I mean, it's it's sweet. And then uh, the other thing I found is if you're just doing voice content, you're not putting any uh, any music in, there's a program called The Levelator, 
you just drop a wave file into and it does all the voice leveling automatically it is so sweet I mean it does what used to take me yeah, probably a half hour to go through each step and watch it resolve or whatever it probably doesn't like 15 minutes wow yeah so alright so I want that software <laughs> <laughs> not a problem if you search up the levelator you'll you'll find it I, I got the reference from uh, Chewy Slate who, who does the Manipool uh, podcast so yeah yeah which is which is great and you know like I love I love finding out stuff like that and because I'm I, I, I am completely self-taught this is all you know like I, I learned to edit by watching movies, you know what I mean. Like when I was a kid, I loved movies, and I love I love the idea of making movies. And now I get to make mini movies about magic, you know, every week. And whether they're produced sort of by myself by rote, or whether I go to an event and I can cut together an entertaining sort of package with, uh, you know, with insights from the pros, and then the, the people who make magic come in there, and then there's like a piece that that, for example. Um, in Pro Tour San Juan video, if you look, I think it's the first one, um, I talked to a gentleman whose name is Casey right at the second, uh, who had lost his his newborn son, and he talked about buying Infernal Spawn and Infernal Spawn of Evil, and that was the first thing he did when he learned he was going to have a child and things of that nature. And I got this entire segment down, like this incredible story, incredibly moving, got some awesome music in there with the piano, so you really get sort of the emotion going. Like, I got all that in there in like 45 seconds, like maybe maybe. 55 seconds or whatever it was. It was under a minute. And that, that to me was like such a win. I was just like, man, I just know that years ago there's no way I could have done that piece. There's no way I could have cut it down to where it was just the bare bones of what I needed to get. There's no way I could have got the music in there with the graphics overlaid and all that stuff. But that just comes from experience. And for me, it's like now I get to make these little tiny movies every week, you know. And, and you know, for me, I always wanted to be a director or whatever. And this lets me direct my show every week and that is so awesome for me like that's that's just so fulfilling it's unbelievable that, that is uh, that is pretty sweet you know I saw that I definitely saw that episode and it was incredibly moving I mean I was sitting there going you know especially when when you have kids you know your perspective on the world completely changes you know, so that's, that's so definitely. It's all of a sudden you realize, you know, there's this there's this heartstring that when you're not a parent you can feel it, but when you are a parent it would just rip it right out, it rip your heart out, and just be like, this guy had to suffer for I think it was like three weeks until until his son passed away, and that was just like so brutal. And I wanted to be able to communicate that, but not have to spend like half the show on it. You know what I mean? And I wanted to give him the respect that I felt he deserved, while also continuing the pace and keeping the show up beat and moving and and for me I feel like that's just the place I'm at because I've been doing this week in and week out for however long and for those who want to do this like I want you to do this I want them to try and I want them to get there and I want to be impressed I mean who doesn't want to see good work you know like and I I want to be like oh man like that guy did that so well like I'm going to have to up my game because I don't want to get beaten by this guy who's doing this incredible new technique or whatever you know things like <clears throat> things like uh, the, the the rematch the, the recap videos that go play to play to play to play like I I came up with it <laughs> I don't know what to say like I don't want to be completely you know like uh, like headstrong or whatever like egotistical about it but I was like blows my mind like I actually just came up with that method of, of watching recap videos just off off the cuff and there are people out there right now who who want to do this video podcasting thing and and will come up with something just as good or better than the, the bit to bit recap if
if they would just give it a shot. And again, I felt like it took over a year of work, like week in and week out, making shows before I felt like I had really got there, that I really accomplished it, that I had really got what I was looking for or attaining. And sometimes, you know, I would be making shows late at night and I'd be like, why am I, why am I doing this again? Like up at three in the morning trying to finish some bit, you know? And I'm like, I knew it was going to work out. Like I just knew. And persistence pays off. I don't know how else to say it. When, when do you think you really found your voice? Yeah, because feeling like you made it is a lot different than feeling like you found your voice. I know those are really separate things. Sure. Um, it's For me, there, there was a point in time, I, I can't remember specifically. I remember, you know, for me, Valencia was just like such a such a milestone, such a hallmark. And like everything after Valencia, you can almost have like a before Valencia magic period and after Valencia magic period. You know, there, there's such a dichotomy of, of, of what the show looked like and, what it, and how it reacted. But, but there is a point... Um, in which I, I figured out I really have to perform the material. I really just can't read it. I have to perform it. I have to get you guys, you know, I have to get you guys the, the idea of what I was saying, the, uh, you know, the, the tone of what I was trying to get at, things of that nature. And, uh, again, I, I'm not exactly sure. I'm pretty sure it was in sometimes in the, like the number 30 episodes or, or maybe onwards. I used to do something really annoying every show and go like, hey everybody blah 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 and eventually I quit that eventually some friends of mine were like seriously Evan that's annoying and I'm like oh thank you because people had mentioned it online a few times but I didn't really know how bad it was so that type of thing uh, the, so for example the tagline you know tap in the cards so you don't have to was not in the first show like for me the, the show was inspired the show was inspired by a guy named Zay Frank and he made a show called The Show and literally it was just called The Show and every week, or I'm sorry, every weekday for a year, he made that show, like day in and day out. And he said, he said, I got a, I'm a New Year's resolution to make a, a weekly or make a daily show, and just about whatever. And it was just random topics. Uh, and we were going to, and you know, and, he, and, and I'm going to do it for a year, and I'm going to quit. And he did it for a year, and he quit. And it was unbelievable because it's almost like the I Love Lucy of web shows. If you go look up Zay Frank, Z E Frank, and look up the show, like you will see some brilliant work, some brilliant web work that people have been copying ever since. And for me, I was like, I love this guy. I love his work. And if I'm going to make a show about magic, I'll just call it the magic show. And at the end of Zay Frank's shows, he would always go, this is Zay Frank thinking so you don't have to. And I was just like, how do I work this for me? So good artists borrow, borrow great artists steal, you know, like I've, I've, I have seen many, many, many people out there do video podcasts that ape me entirely. And if anything, I'm, you know, I'm flattered. Like, you know, uh, imitation is, is the sincerest form. And people look to me as setting the trends, and I, th- I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's a good thing. That's to say you're doing something right if someone is going to be copying you to that regard. So uh, this is Eric with Mr. Suitcase. That's been Evan Irwin, uh, the magic show guy. I mean, and uh, we are at the StarCityGames.com Open Series Denver, and that was a kind of between rounds when one of our rounds finished early. And now we're going to go and do some commentary on uh, the last round of the day. So I uh, hope you enjoyed this episode of Mr. Suitcase.